0: It is scam when you don't allow everyone to operate on fair terms. We are the Robin Hoods of sports betting. We take something back from the rich bookies and enable our customers to beat them instead.
1: G'day everyone, welcome to episode 19 of Sunday Streams with Trademate Sports where we answer your betting questions, discuss both new and old betting strategies talk a little bit about the Trademate Sports software and welcome on guests from around the betting industry. As you can see, haven't got just one guest, haven't got just two guests. We've got got three guests here. It's just simply incredible. Um, I will introduce them all uh, one by one, just in case no one knows who these three men are, but you probably do by now. So you've got Top right of your screen, I assume, is uh, pro sports better, Neil Show. I haven't seen him in a long time. How are you,
2: mate? Yeah, <laughs> good, mate, yeah.
1: You've got uh, bottom left of your screen, you've got Tony Alvarez, our Premier League betting expert, as we like to call him. How are you, mate?
3: Yeah, I'm good. I don't think I've ever been called that, but I'll take it. Yeah,
1: take it, mate. Take it. It's the last time I'll say it. <laughs> and bottom right of your screen is professional gambler and also former... Betfair, Paddy Power, Trader for Dogs and Horses, everything. How are you, mate? Anthony Kaminskas.
0: How are you, buddy? Yeah, all good. All good. All All right, there we go.
1: What an intro for all of you, said with (laughs) such enthusiasm. Um, So we've uh, we've written down a list of topics here we're going to discuss today. Obviously, never done anything like this before, so we'll see how it goes. But um, as always, please send through... Any questions? Any comments you have for for all four of us? Uh, fire away, and we'll um, yeah, we'll discuss everything that you guys want to talk about. Um, but yeah, we might as well kick things off. I, I, I thought uh, priming accounts is something that we haven't really talked about too much. I've heard all sorts of different strategies. Uh, I've tried a few different things out. Um, maybe we'll start with you, Anthony, mate. Since you since you're the least regular occurring guest on this podcast. Uh, uh Mate, how do you, I guess you open up a brand new account, mate. What's the, yeah, what's the first thing you kind of try to do to get rid of the scent off your smart, sharp action?
0: Um, Yeah, I suppose, I suppose I should preface this by saying that I don't really do much of the bet placement myself anymore. Um, I can tell you what I would have done in the past when I was doing that kind of thing, but I, can, uh, I kind of uh, I outsource a lot of my bet placement, basically the vast majority of it. Um, but yeah, what I would have previously been doing is, I just think you've just got to think of every single button and every single thing you click on when you're signing up for an account is passing some information on to the bookmaker. So whether you're clicking Mr., Mrs., Doctor, Sir, whatever you're, yeah, yeah. Your title is the very first thing you put in. It's it's passing on something for onto the bookmaker. There'll be certain bookmakers that restrict female accounts, stake factor female accounts down, um, before they've even placed a bet or made a deposit. And um, we probably all know why that is. Um, so yeah, just I'd just be very, very cautious of, and just very mindful of every single thing you're doing on the bookmaker's website, basically, and whether that's also factoring in what IP you using, what device you're using. Um, from from my own personal experience, we all do things and I kind of do them until they don't work anymore and then just adapt my strategy. i would be trying to find out how I got picked up on certain things as well um, just from speaking to different people. So yeah, my um, like what I would previously have done is, like, I suppose it's a question you've just got to be really careful about answering as well just based on who's listening, be it bookmakers or somebody else um But I think oh, what a lot of
1: watching people, that, so be very careful.
0: Yeah. um So I think just just very generally, like um if you're using somebody else's account, or yeah, I I, I, I don't know what else to add. To be honest with you, I'd just be very, very, I'd be very cautious about like what pe- what I I try and say it generally. What I know people people that I've dealt with have done in the past um, is get sets of accounts off different people. Um, um like obviously with the account holders permission. Um and place bets using basically place bets using those accounts. And you can you can prime accounts like you were saying, just on basically you you tend to be looking for low limit markets that have an inbuilt edge for the bookie, so say a coin toss or something, where you are getting nineteen to twenty, so you're taking a slight negative bet. Um your very first and I think you don't quote me on this, but I think Bet three six five used to actively monitor the first fifty bets on every account. Um so you just be mindful about what business you're putting through early on an account. Um and I think you wanna you wanna try and hit the max as often as you can on low limit markets. So say there's a market in for a hundred quid. And there's a built-in some something, so maybe a coin tossing cricket or something something along those lines. Um, you want to kind of hit your max on those markets, knowing that you're going to lose your fiver uh, over time or whatever it is. <laughs> and <clears throat> it's just flagging up. You're hitting a maximum. The 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 way they catch you when you are in smart bets is how much percentage of your max you're hitting. So so companies I would have worked at in the past would have actively monitored new accounts that have over eighty percent of their max on singles basically so there'd be a report running every single day that would just be monitoring you if you've had 80 if you had 83 percent of your max or 90 percent of your max if a market's in for 500 quid you are having your whatever 400 450 quid and you'd be appearing on a report to actively monitor that customer's business so i'd then be using that information against them basically by, by trying to hit my max on on bets that were quite obviously uh negative expected value basically to try and throw them off the scent and get limits raised bet 365 is a real easy one to track if your account being raised and stuff like that And there the are certain sports you can you can you can bet on to to get your limits raised quite easily on bet 365 i'm probably not going to go into them on a on an open forum
1: no no it's really interesting mate so you're saying like there's certain is there, do you think there's certain sports too where it's like they just know that if you're betting on those sports, as soon as you open an account, you're going to look like a pretty dumb gambler?
0: Yeah. Like just from a, from the flip side of that, from a smart point of view, I think horse racing, horse racing and greyhound racing are pretty cancerous to online accounts in the UK. Like I, I'd need to see a serious, serious value bet to have a bet on horse racing knowing that it's probably going to cost me a, it's gonna it's it's gonna hit my stake factor on that account. Basically, I think there are sports sports in general. Just the the term sports non racing events on a bookie's website. I think you can stay under the radar a lot longer than horse racing and grands where you've got you've got quite a quite an obvious SP to benchmark you against, and probably not a lot of people betting at that certain point of the day. If you're if, a, if there's a horse race time at three o'clock, you're having a bet at eleven a.m. I think you you're going to stand out placing an early price single at 11am, even just in a field, but there won't be that many bets between 10:58 and 11. Mm-hmm. There's just numbers wise, there's not that many bets. Whereas if you're betting on a football match that's on TV that day, your business is probably going to get buried in a lot more mass market business. Um, so I think that can help you as well. I just kind of stay away from, I used to, I used to love horse racing. I used to watch horse racing. I used to want a few horses. Um, and I kinda of just don't even follow it anymore just because the cancer for accounts and I can't keep accounts mm-hmm. going by betting and horse racing, basically.
2: Anthony, can I ask like what about um let's say pre match compared to live mm-hmm. as well? Is there a difference yeah. in how they flag that up? You do have a lot of live bets.
0: Yeah, like you'd you'd have your in running traders that tend to tend to monitor, especially games that are on TV, they've been monitoring games and more markets manually. What you tend to find is the bookie in question i will have an in-play trader that's probably monitoring eight games at the same time so it's easy for them to it's, it's your in-play trader tends to be monitoring what the algorithm is is resetting the prices at wherever they're getting the prices from if, if a goal scored here it, this is how we adjust our prices if there's a corner here we adjust our prices to this and the in-play trader will be manually just checking that that algorithm is working fine um in play and then just watching a a basic bet feed as well. In running, I personally, I don't bet in running because obviously it takes more time. um, Mm. And it takes more of your day monitoring a game in running. But I'd imagine that even though the margin is higher, there are more mistakes in running because it's more nuanced Mm. and that an algorithm can't potentially factor everything in. So I think you can find plenty of bets in running if you know what you're doing. and I think it, if you are in that situation where you're a smart guy betting and running in markets that are generally high-margin markets, you're going to be able to get bets on for longer because there's no like there's no real SP to benchmark you against in that second, or that few seconds, unless something like really shortens up at five seconds later or something that's been badly mispriced. But um, yeah, I think you can stay under the radar a bit longer in running if you've yeah. got an edge. The reason I don't bet in running is... Just don't have the time. I don't want to sit and watch a game and hope something happens where I can find a bet. I'd rather just, I'd rather have more free time, basically.
1: Yeah, well said. Um, What about you, Tony, mate? You probably don't do too much priming anymore, mate. But do you? I mean, do you do any any soft bookie betting at all?
3: Uh, So not anymore. But obviously, uh, my introduction to the industry was just match betting, and then match betting on a on a bigger scale. Um, Using use in other accounts and um, so there was stuff i used to do then i, I mean i i knew it, it wasn't it was like different rules for different bookies i, I can't really remember them now but like there was some bookies you know you could get away with things that they would accept stuff that others wouldn't what i always tried to do was um especially on like for your sign-up offer um if it was like a low qualifying bet i would take terrible odds because i think you're going to lose like even if you take something that was like Uh, say the odds were like 2.12 that's huge in their eyes Um, but for you on on a tennis stake you're hardly going to lose anything Um, so I was just trying to be like I was trying to go on popular football matches um, and just doing what my punter would do in in my mind which is the game of the day whatever it is biggest game of the day pick a team usually I'll try and obviously you wanted to go low low odds with like qualifying bets anyway so I'd pick usually the favorite as long as they were over the minimum odds. Um, and then just, as I said, I didn't really care what odds I, I was taking. I knew I was going to lose money, but I was going to lose money regardless. But I was just trying to seem like your everyday punter. Um, mm. And I would, I would try and keep things like that up more often, uh, like quite often. But then there was, there was different, as I said, different companies are different. I bet 365 were the only ones that really kind of half liked taking big money. And, and if they did, uh, they, they would give more free bets and more offers. Whereas other companies, you start trying to put on big stakes or not even big, uh, not, not what I would say big now, but it was big at the time. And it was like instantly, you was limited just because they're scared of number. I mean, like Ladbrokes, you could take horrible odds. But as soon as you're trying to put a half decent stake, you was going to be limited. I remember I, um, I was following a boxing tipster who gave a tip mm-hmm. on a, a fighter I knew. But in terms of what the odds were, for him on the Labricks and what they were on the exchange, they were terrible, but there was no money in the market on the exchange. So I backed him. I've done two, I'd done him to win in the first six rounds, done him to win in the first three, not to go out in the third. And I was limited. They were my first two bets on that Labrick account. They were terrible value. So it's just, it all depends on the company. And I used to have a sheet uh, that was like basically it had the rules for, for every company. And they weren't cast and I can't say they worked every time, but. It was in general, this bookie you can get away with A, this bookie you can get away with B, and I thought it was pretty much different with every bookie.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting, mate, as, you're, uh, as your dog starts to create may- mayhem behind you. Um, <clears throat> someone also has their phone very close to the speaker or something, and it, every time it vibrates, it's like getting stabbed in the heart, but that's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was gonna. I mean, if anyone cares about what well, I've actually had, pretty good success. I would I would say I've had pretty good success at priming accounts, just because a lot of the ones that I've actually spent like a week or two priming have taken months to be to be recognised. So um, I assume my advice is worth a pinch of salt. But um, yeah, I think the biggest thing that I I, I mean I I listen to Ryan Bruno. He talked about this a bit. One of the things I liked, he said, is he just backs one team every single weekend. So, like, if, you know, if Manchester United's your favourite team or Arsenal's your favourite team, whatever, just back them every time they play. Back, like, Aubameyang to score the first goal or, like, just put in, like, everything that basically says you're just betting on your favourite team every weekend. And I think um, accumulators just fucking put in, like, ridiculous accumulators. Like, just be prepared to lose. I'm prepared to lose $100. Also on an account if I know that, you know, long term I'm gonna be able to make thousands from them. So accumulators, uh, first goal scorers, correct score, um, like just just the, the markets that you know that like really sharp punters aren't betting into at all. Um and yeah, I mean I normally do it for a week or two, depending on how depending on how important the account is, probably a week, 10 days is probably enough. But if it's like a really good account, you know, like your 365s, it's probably worth spending like at least two weeks doing it and then maybe in your second week start filtering in some good bets through but still throwing in a couple of shit ones. Um, yeah. You got any thoughts, Neil, mate?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um Again, I'll try and give away some useful stuff. I don't want to sort of give away all the tactics, but um, yeah, kind of touching on what the guys have said as well. Like I think 100% I agree eventually like, um racing is just a killer. Um it, tricky thing for me is that, you know, that there is an edge in, in some of the racing stuff that I do. But um, if I try and do the horse racing on my account straight away, it gets flagged. I think I had one, uh, you know, friend's account. I had one bet. 25 to 1. And I put 50 quid on it. It won. It was the first bet. That's it. State restricted after one bet. Um, was that so
1: one? a bet fair. Um,
2: so Anthony, yeah, those, it's, it's, worked it's,
1: for a craft company, mate. I don't, I don't know how he got
2: 50 <laughs> quid on as His first,
1: bet. <laughs> yeah.
2: um, yeah, so, um, yeah, definitely things like that. So the accumulators, um. Other stuff, because it's been mentioned on the pod before, so Marco O'Hare mentioned it, you know, like bet builders, um, and a lot of the stuff, um, if I can give them a plug as well, you know, we we love betting their service is quite good. So for so that kind of thing, because, um, again, because they're high margin markets, but occasionally, you know, that's the way they're priced. They might be on averages. It mm-hmm. might be kind of things the traders haven't spotted, or there might be a kind of change in the price on the exchange that hasn't been uh, factored in yet. That's kind of slow to filter to the bookies. So those, be, those are quite good. So... Um that kind of stuff, having an accumulator every weekend, um, you know, basically betting on things that, you know, most of the betting public would want to have a bet on, you know, again, like the boxing last night, um, you know, high profile events. Um, I think that thing that Ryan said was a great idea as well, you know, backing the same team. Um, you know, not taking necessarily the best value. Um, you know, if that bookie is best price, um, you know try and avoid it where possible. It's a fine balance because I used to spend a lot of time doing this. Um, But then again, you know, I'd have, let's say a couple of days, you know, on a good run or three, let's say three or four wins in a row and it would get restricted anyway. So sometimes it can be not a waste of time. It kind of, you have to factor in sort of the times you spend doing this to um, how much you're giving back as well. So, um, obviously it's different now again with my but if it was with you know let's say with my own accounts, um you know you might put bets through that are kind of negative EV that aren't value at the bookies and lay them off at the exchange so you're not you know losing too much each time. Um do that for a little while as well. Um but yeah, I think it is kind of mixing up, trying to um you know, all these adverts you see, at least in the UK on TV, you know, the kind of you know, the special offers you see in the shop windows. You know just trying to back stuff like that because you know they're not value bets um but kind of mixing it up to, to you know to, to throw them off the scent. Um something I like to do on the horses again is you know putting in some kind of lucky 15s and doubles on horses that are actually plus E B. Um you know but just you know for s- small stakes um you know each weekend. And I think timings as well. Obviously I mean to be honest Anthony's insight is really good. This is only from me as a as a punter, so I don't know all the processes that they use um, to flag up, and then obvious things as well. Um, again, like an IP address. Again, if you're using a friend's account, you know, just ask them to put a few bets on first. Um, you know, so yeah. Ideally, if you have the time to spend a week or two doing this kind of stuff, then um, that's ideal. But you kind of have to balance it out. The coin toss thing that you said is you know is great as well um you know if there's a kind of even match up you know there's two sides you know 1.83 like a tennis match or something like that again you know try and look look for these markets every now and again um yeah and i think if you find an edge on something so like adam adam cheng you had on recently you know something i do with the player passes as well is you know if you take a straight bet on the player passes market um and, again, if you're hitting kind of close to the max limit, what well, Anthony was saying was interesting, this kind of 80%. Um, but yeah, mate,
1: I'll just stop you there. I think – it is it yeah. you? I think something is, like, terribly rustling whilst you're talking. I think it might be you because I've muted everyone yeah. else.
2: And oh, okay. Right. I'll, I'll, I'll keep my hands. Um, yeah, so,
1: I just yeah, stop, so, mate. So, so, You've got such great knowledge, mate. I don't want anyone to miss it, you know? <laughs> um,
2: yeah, so if you, if you kind of combine it, you know, with – player passes, add it with um, over, you know, 0.5 goals or, um, you know, over one yellow card or something like that, you know, just add a few things in there, low odds, um, that can disguise you a bit. But, you know, eventually you're going to have to kind of bite the bullet and it's going to happen. So, yeah, it's kind of – it's just experimentation really. The other thing is location as well. Obviously, you know, if you're in Australia, you know, if you're sort of tending to place more things on Australian sports or the UK, you know, um, or, you know, based on your name. I don't know if they profile that as well. It was interesting what Anthony was saying about, it. again, if you're male or female or even if you're, if you're a doctor, that's something I, I didn't even think of really. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, good
0: insight. Surely got doctors are one. shit panthers. Got a good one I heard recently was um, there was some firm – that had some piece of software that knew do you know like say if you get an id and you open an account with everybody um under the same id and let's say what what people would tend to do is set up an email address um like a new email address basically so that they just all the documents just get sent from the the same email address and there was some bookie that was able to ascertain whether that email address had just been set up or whether it was a historic one. So one of my pals to get around that was buying email addresses that were set up like five years ago. Oh, so wow. that it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't flag on that piece of software, um, which was just an interesting one.
2: Yeah, very interesting.
0: So they I mean, that they're taking information now. They're, like,
2: um, I think they, that I read recently that the... Um, Uh, gambling companies are going to share I don't know how much information they're going to share with each other but um, yeah, they are able to share more information on on customers between them Um, again which could make this kind of thing trickier or kind of opening lots of sets of accounts potentially you you know you could be flagged up if you're a smart punter obviously it's under the guise of responsible gambling so the idea is that um, you again you know someone with a gambling issue that's shared amongst other uh, operators. And so, you know, you're not going to have these kind of court... Hopefully, you're not going to have these court cases that have come up recently, you know, where they've allowed people to spend thousands. Um, But the knock-on effects, at least I think, is going to make it difficult for smarter punters as well.
1: All right. Well, um, I think we've covered that topic pretty well now, fellas. Uh, I was going to say, people in the chat... Feel free to yeah ask any questions once again or yeah comment like Jacob has here. Uh, just uh, yeah, otherwise we'll just have nothing really exciting to talk about if you don't send any questions. You'll have to go with the topics I've come up with for today or Neil has too. So um, yeah, I, I, we should move on. Let's uh, why don't we talk about some more some more fun stuff? we'll we'll, we'll do a little round. Roundtable of uh, the worst beat that you've ever had, um, and as I say, that we've had a question come through. We'll we'll get to that after. We'll uh, we'll start with you, Neil, mate. This this time, your your worst beat you've ever had, mate.
2: Uh, it's hard to remember a lot of them, but because it's fresh in my mind today in the golf, um, <laughs> bloody Arnouse, I had him. And,
1: <laughs> and he went into a
2: playoff. Yeah. I mean to be honest, I never even I, I didn't even watch it, but um, you know, my mate Darnell was telling me was, and uh, yeah, and he looked good, Frazier. Right? Then 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 he told me, Oh, he's gone into a playoff. And I switched on the T V and I saw um Cabrera you know, holding the trophy. I was like, God's sake. So yeah, that was annoying. Uh yeah, no, there's been plenty. But I think, yeah, golf golf is is a particularly cruel one because you have to wait, you know, through days to see, you know, or you know, you can have a golfer off to a good start and then just, you know, just get the the jitters and and um, yeah, that's that's a frustrating one. But that that at the moment, that's top of my list. He's on my uh, yeah on my hit list. <laughs> is
1: that how you pronounce it? arnouse That's like the most Australian. I don't
2: know. Yeah, like, Arnouse. <laughs> it is.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, Tony, mate. What about you? Um, off the top of my head it was when I first started like I wasn't even selling the team news information at the time but it was when I first started a group and I was giving it away and uh, I got I said like 15 minutes before it was released it was Norwich West Ham it was a Saturday morning game and Norwich dropped Pookie Campwell on someone else their starting lineup had one Premier League goal that season and it was after lockdown so we're talking there's less than five games left and they've got a starting eleven with one Premier League goal in it. I thought, brilliant, West Ham's price is going to shorten like you wouldn't believe. And I think they were like 2.16. Put my full bank on it. Um, West Ham were full strength. Teams come out and their Norwich price keeps shortening, shortening. West Ham price getting further and out, further and out. And I'm thinking, like, there's something weird here. I'll leave it. It's got to come back. Just kept going and, going and going and going and going and going. I ended up getting out one minute before kickoff for a stupidly high loss. And then West Ham went 1-0 off after 30 seconds and one 4-0.
0: <laughs> Classic. <laughs>
3: so I shouldn't laugh that
0: much. you still fine. not smiling about
3: it as well. Fucking hell. It just up. made that it possible. Just <laughs> I first started like, my, my service, I said, like, obviously, I, I assume most other people coughed copied me i said i'll put my house on West stand basically and i assume a load of people were were doing it and the team news was right so that was in a way it was my get out that the information i've given you is correct but i think a load of people probably lost a bucket load of money including me so that was a good first couple of weeks of giving people team news (laughs) that went really well
1: how is that even possible that the price didn't like does that happen regularly at all? Like that the team like you know, you can have like such strong team use for something that just means like surely the price is gonna come in on a certain team. Does it ever just does that happen regularly?
3: Not, not I mean that went completely against what everyone thought. You do get it where what you expect doesn't happen, like that it'll either stay still or the move is nowhere near as big as you expect. Um but I've I've never seen anything like that. Um God, that's yeah. so rough. Madness. Uh yeah, and you Anthony mate, I assume it
1: might be uh Mr. Rahm. And yeah, if you do I'm tell almost. a story, this is an absolute fucking cracker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was uh that was pretty grim. I uh, just bet John Rahm. I bet him to win six figures in the memorial this year. And I basically hit the ball into eighteen, second shot into the middle of the green. This is on the third day, Saturday. And uh I've turned the TV off and gone to bed. I've gone upstairs to go to bed. It was like about midnight. And uh as I'm lying in bed, brush I brushed the teeth and went into bed. I'm lying in bed, I said, oh, I'll just check what Price Brahm is for tomorrow and and he was a thousand on Bedford and I was like, What the fuck has he done? And uh yeah, he, was had four- at this point. he had a six shot lead. Uh and he had COVID and had to withdraw basically. And uh yeah, it was bad. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't think any of the chasing pack got within six shots of his score as well, to be honest with you. So he was gonna. He was. He was an absolute sir. Even 1.14, if he would have been playing, would have been a cracking bet because the others got nowhere near him, to be honest with you. So um, other ones I can remember when we're talking about prime and accounts. I remember when I was uh, poor enough when I moved to Ireland and I was working for Paddy Power and I had a bet 365 account and then I was trying to prime it a little bit to get Graham bets on at the time, and Phil Taylor was playing Vincent van der in the darts one night when I was working a late shift, and Taylor was 14s on, uh, and the bet for price was 107, Taylor van der 15, and 365 or 14s on, so I was like, fuck, I'll put my bank in the 365 account, it was about 400 quid, and I had the 400 on Phil Taylor, because so, I was in work, and he got beat 5-1 and I had to watch it. And I was just like, "Fuck, sake. It's like my whole 400 quid in the account had gone. That was, it. that was about 12 years ago. Um, and <clears throat> another good one that I had, I well, wasn't good, but again, wouldn't have had a massive bank. My bank would have been big four figures maybe at the time, close to five figures maybe. And I was waiting on a team in the, I think they were in the Northern Premier League. I had an anti-post hacker with VC and each way hacker on a pals account and um, wow. everything had either placed or won. And I was waiting on <coughs> a team called, they were called New Mills. They were like in there. I don't even think they were in the National League, like the league below the conference. I don't even think they were in that league. They were in a league even lower than that. And Victor Chandler were pricing up all this stuff, anti post and running. And I bet new meals, throwing them in all the Akers because they were the Rick. And I threw on them in at 66 to one. And the each way were a third the first two. So I was getting like 22 for the place. And the Akers that I'd done were going to pay about 65 grand. And they had, to get, they had to get two points from the last three games in the league to finish second. And they, they only got one point, basically, in the last That's three games. Magic. And in the final game, this is this is an absolute belter. I can even remember this today because it meant so much to me at the time. Uh, they, they were away. They were away to a team. I think they're in Wales or they're in Liverpool or someone like that. They called Camel Laird. Um and it was it was Camel Led against New Mills. Right, <laughs> I don't even know where these places are. And in the week, and in the week, like, I was panicking that the your mum was gonna the New Mills manager was gonna like rest players for the playoffs. So I actually rung the chairman of new mills because they, <laughs> they were like, uh, they were like, um, we used to get like crowds of like a hundred. This is how low the low down it was. And I had them for like 65 grand. And, uh, I rung the chairman and I just said to him, oh, I said, I'm a massive new mills fan. Uh, <laughs> I said, if you finish it, and I said to him, if you finish finishing the top two, I'll uh, I'll sponsor your shirts next year for five grand or something like that. And he he was like, oh, fucking hell, brilliant. Fair play to you, lad, fair play. And uh, and they fucking, no, it gets even better, right? So they were, I was getting the score updates off Twitter. This was like early Twitter. And uh, New Mills were winning 3-2 away in the 85th minute. And they got beat 4-3. They needed a point. And they got week four three and the last score was ninety plus four on the Twitter feed for oh. like, Camel. I swear to God, ninety plus four, and I just I was just like, ah fuck this, maybe this isn't for me. <laughs> this is just absolute uh, disaster. Uh, and you're
1: yeah, feeling bad. Good. Imagine imagine the chairman who just
0: out on I know, yeah, he's like, You know. I can't remember if you rung me like the next week to so see if I wanted to do it. I was like, fuck <laughs> off, you prick. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Oh, so
1: that's a, a good kid. one. I like that.
2: Like that's goal. Um, all
1: right. I'll. Uh, mine was probably last weekend, actually. But the best thing was I was sound asleep, and if if I was awake, I would have fucking trashed everything because I had I had a Yankee to win twenty seven grand, and uh, which is like literally doubling my bankroll in one bet. Um, and I got three legs, so I still won a decent bit of money, but. Uh, the fourth leg was, um, I think I had Burton to beat Al, uh, Burton to beat Wimbledon or something, and <clears throat> Burton were winning, and they Wimbledon scored a ninetieth minute goal or like what plus one or something like that. So uh, yeah, I, I'm fucking happy that I was sound asleep because that would have set me right off my rocket. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> That's my do you guys
2: on that topic? Do you tend to watch things that you're betting on, like if you've got like a decent stake on? Because I don't don't I,
1: I only watch UFC. That's the only thing that I watch every week. I mean, I watch I watch Arsenal and and my rugby team over here, but only if like I watch them just as a fan, not to not as a um. If I've got a bet on them, then whatever. But yeah, I watch them anyway. But yeah, UFC is the only thing that I. What you have got a bet on, just got. Oh, but I love the sport, so yeah. You Neil?
2: Yeah, no, no as in, yeah. Per- personally, I don't. I just because uh, it's just frustrating if if I've got something and it doesn't come in. Uh, it's a waste of I'm time. An advisor, yeah, exactly. I'd rather just be finding the next bet uh, personally. Yeah.
1: yeah, it really is a waste of time. Um, all right, we've got um, got a few questions come through. Sorry, it's taken so long. Chris Cleary says Hi guys, been match betting since the first lockdown, do you know how much info bookies pass between themselves or do they hide their data to keep sharp bettors at their competitors maybe you could answer this one Anthony having worked for a bookmaker mate
0: um, What would I say about that uh, I'd I'd say it does happen but it's not supposed to happen um yeah it can happen with um it's probably not happening with your average guy in fairness but it does happen
1: is it allowed to happen with bookmakers who share the same odds
0: uh yeah they'd see they would see i think there's a there was a difference between the extra like the, the at one point unofficially the bet for exchange were letting traders see who was backing stuff on the exchange and then they kind of stopped doing that because they were worried about the integrity of the exchange and, Um, paddy power and bet for your trader would be trading both and i presume i don't know what it's like now with Skybet as well but um yeah you'd, you'd be trading both sets of price, prices and managing both sets of customers and if you've had an account with paddy power and you open a bet for one now you're, you'll immediately get restricted if your if old one was restricted as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I got... um. There's a bookmaker over here, or Ladbrokes. <coughs> Sorry. Ladbrokes, Neds, and uh, Betstar, they all use the same same odds. And I got limited with Ladbrokes on, uh, what was it, Thursday or Friday? And uh, yeah, five minutes after, Ned sent me an email, and then Betstar didn't even bother sending me an email. I just got locked out of my account. So um does that does that happen in the uk that's the first time it's ever happened to me where i've literally (laughs) been locked out of my account and i can't even fucking i honestly hope neds isn't watching but they've sent me my money i've got no idea how much money was in that account it was just a complete (laughs) s and they just they they um, don't even let they don't even let you in
0: the the strategies you can use to counter that though like i'd be I wouldn't open both at the same time and just use one of them. You should either hit both of them. Depends what business you're doing. If you're doing business that's going to get you closed down, you might as well hit them twice on both accounts quickly. Uh, If you're trying to keep an account open, I'd be just using one of them uh, until it gets closed. And then when, when the time comes for account number two, you'd just be using account number two with a different brand just to smash and just know that you're probably going to get 10 minutes before this account gets closed down. So just absolutely just wait for a day where there's loads of stuff and wallop it basically is what I'd be doing.
1: Yeah. So you can't like, I always thought that if you got, say you got two accounts from the same like Betfair and Paddy Power, could you not like, say you've got 10 bets that you're going to put into that, to that bookmaker over the weekend. Could you not put five in each and then maybe like, it's going to just go under the radar for a bit longer because you're putting less winners in there. If you
0: get what I mean? No, it's more. I wouldn't be doing that to be honest with you. It's more that if you get caught on one of them, your second one will go, no matter what business is on it. So, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: I just thought it might keep you under the radar a bit longer if you're not like you could, pumping winners into one account.
0: No, you could you could do you could do ten plus EV bets on one account and with with Paddy Power and do ten minus EV bets with Betfair. And if your Paddy Power account gets closed, they're gonna they're gonna close your Betfair as well.
1: Oh, it's a beautiful industry, fellas. Uh, Jacob Mm -hmm. says, um, did we answer that question? Oh, yeah, we did, yeah. Uh, Bookmakers are cowards. Instead of improving their models, identify weak spots, hiring real experts and focusing on weaknesses where they lose money. They prefer to ban successful players. Well said, mate. Uh, Carl says, bring on the stories. Well, uh, what's he said? Worst mistake you've made starting out looking back. That was awful. Um, Do you want to go first, Tony? Can you think of any off the top of your head, mate? Uh,
3: Just just when I first started, um, it was a big stake for me. Now I probably wouldn't care if I lost it. I can't remember what it was, but I remember at the time thinking it was the end of the world. And it was like the back and lay prices were too far apart. So I placed a bet and waited for the lay price to catch up. And then one team scored. It was England against Japan women in a World Cup semi-final. Uh, And I think... I just needed it not to be 2-1, and whether well, it was one all and then, but the odds weren't coming down, so I still left it. Left it literally in injury time. Uh, England scored an own goal. It was at stupid o'clock in the morning as well, and I stayed up to watch it because of this bet. Um, and then I lost. I mean, as I said, it wasn't a lot, but at the time when I first started, it was probably like half my bank. Um, so yeah, just I mean it's, it's a basic rule, don't when you especially when you're match betting is obviously don't just leave anything, make sure the bet is matched, but I thought I was being clever, thought I knew best and was trying to beat the system and and got beat myself.
1: <coughs> yeah, I, I mean I've made lots of mistakes, uh, which I could go on for hours, but I think one of the most like common repetitive mistakes that I have made in the past is just like taking people on I don't know following uh tipsters or or uh, sorry, I am still here um, or taking bets from people that who you assume are just are just sh- they're sharp and they and they know what you're doing like just because they've got a name in the industry and i don't uh like I think there's lots of people out there <clears throat> i mean they might be sharp, but um just i I just think you need to like do the research yourself and don't just trust trust what other people are saying and and trust people just because they've got x amount of twitter followers or whatever so um yeah i would just say do your own research and uh yeah if if you're going to follow someone like don't just like i I think this is something kind of goes on to like uh what i was also going to talk about with tips is i think like you've got a you can't just like track let them track the results for you if you get what i mean like this (coughs) they can obviously track their record and stuff like that but i think you should you should track it too and, and track exactly how many of the bets you can get on because a lot of the times like tipsters records are not attainable because you can't get the price or uh they send it at a weird hour where you know you're not awake or whatever so i just think don't just follow a tipster because they've got a nice big record or whatever they've got a certain amount of twitter followers like do the research yourself and and don't just like don't stop researching them once you start following them like continue to research them as you keep placing bets with them so that's probably a big mistake that i have made it's probably cost me a decent bit of money uh neil yeah yeah 100
2: percent, same thing you know I've, i've followed lots of tips over the years and there's a very small minority that i continue to, to follow and subscribe to and there's kind of a constant churn um i don't spend as much time doing that you know obviously as you build more experience more confidence more knowledge yourself uh you know in some markets maybe you know you, you again it, it's it's a it's a different feeling um i think one thing definitely for me was yeah, you know, I was kind of a mug punter for years, but I didn't really bet that much. But when I started taking it seriously, when I actually found the edges I had, I think one regret I definitely have is I didn't prime my own accounts. I mean, they were sort of you know, mug accounts so that, that you know, um, prolonged them a bit longer, um, but I didn't prime them. And also, I don't think I staked aggressively enough, so... But I think that's important to know as well. You know, if you do have an edge, you know, within reason, but you you should try to maximize it. Um, you know, find that balance. And I think I was maybe a bit too conservative. So obviously, I lost those accounts eventually. But actually, I probably could have made more profit if I was a bit more aggressive. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, just having having that confidence to do that, and also maybe being going about it a bit smarter. You know, maybe laying off some, you know, some of the liabilities on the exchange. Um, you know, throwing in some more kind of accumulators, whereas I kind of just hammered it. Um and yeah, that that would be my my thing.
1: Nice mate. Anthony mate, worst mistake you made when you were starting out?
0: Oh, I don't know to be honest with you. I made made loads of mistakes, I'd say. Uh just got to, I think the most important thing is just to learn from them and basically not repeat them. Um was mistake. I can't even think to be honest with you. Uh, not knowing enough, basically, when I was when I started off betting, I wish I would have known more. Um, when I was raising my stakes, maybe initially, I probably didn't know as much as I thought I knew at the time. Um, yeah, but you're probably probably not doing your own research as well. Doing your own thing is kind of it's kind of what has ended up setting setting me up basically just being a master of my, uh, or trying to be a master of my, just my own prices basically, instead of listening to other people, this is a bet, bet this. Sure, if you do your own thing, you have no one else to, what to blame but yourself, but you can also learn from your mistakes a lot quicker as well, rather than just following other people basically.
1: Yeah. Nice. Um <clears throat> John Smith, if you had to pick one, what is everyone's most profitable betting market? For me, I like betting live on first half and second half late goals. We'll
3: go to you first again, Tony, mate. What's your most profitable betting market? I mean, I've always just done 1x2 because of the team news, but recently I think uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's breathed new life into the anytime goal scorer market um, in terms of trading. So if he's involved, the anytime time goal scorer, but in general, it's always just going to be the match odds for me, um, just because that's where team news has the most effect. Um, because other players, they, there's either not enough money in the anytime time goal scorer markets or the markets don't care. It's like Sancho, the other, I can't remember, who he didn't start against, it wasn't the last game, it was the game before, and he was like, I don't know, seven to one to score any time, and he wasn't starting. And I just, i just done a test stake just to see if anything happened, and it just didn't move, like no one cared. Whereas Ronaldo, uh, who's it uh everton game i think he was just a shade of odds on and then he didn't start and then he, his sp was five so the, the swing can be massive um but like i said it seems like pretty much a ronaldo and there's probably a couple of others that you can play that market and that's where you'll get the most profit in a single bet but in terms of consistency just a basic match odds for me yeah uh went.
2: Uh yes, yeah, good question. If I had to pick one one thing, uh, be American horse racing. Um, you know, I've got a, a, a nice edge on that. Um, yeah, so that that would be sort of the most profitable in terms of ROI, in terms of uh, edge. Yeah,
1: tell us all about your edge, mate.
2: <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> 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 um, no, I mean to be honest, it's it's, it's not rocket science. That uh, um, you know, if, if listen if you want to learn about it just go on odds checker just have a look at the odds on uh, american <laughs> horse that's all i'm going to give away but listen if you put the time in just spend the night just looking at the odds and the movements uh doing a bit of research you know you'll find what i found as well so it's not it's not rocket science what, what i'm doing there but um yeah you know the, the more people who do it the faster the prices get cut so uh, yeah but, but, yeah, if I had to choose one thing, the only problem with it is that um, it kills accounts very fast uh, because, obviously, you know, the bookies don't like it. But if it was just one thing, if I could, in theory, not get limited on it, that would be the dream.
1: Yep. Odds checker and chill with Neil Shah on a on a Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, good.
2: That's, it, that's good.
1: <laughs> uh, Anthony, mate, golf, I'm assuming, somewhere in the world. <laughs>
0: Biggest ROI market for me would be Greyhound derbies. So either the English Greyhound Derby or the Irish Greyhound Derby. There's there's two Greyhound derbies a year basically. There's a Scottish one, but there's not much turnover on that. Um, Just pulling up my figures. I don't record my figures, but there's there's a set of commission agents I use for Greyhound derbies. And this year for the English and Irish Greyhound Derby, stake fifty-seven thousand five hundred and seventy-nine. Uh, PL plus 43,011 plus 74.7 percent, and that is honestly. Now, I'm not even joking that that has probably been repeated the last five or six years, every single year. I don't find it, I find it's just the most inefficient market going. Uh, yeah, I can usually absolutely cream the grain, grain derby, anti post markets by doing them properly. It's the only, it's the only grain events that you can really turn over decent money on them, so that's why I look at them. Um, and I put a lot of work into them when they're on. So, like the English one, can't remember what month it's, and it always changes. But um, it's, it lasts for about it lasts for about five or six weeks. The Irish one lasts for about four or five weeks. Five weeks, maybe five or six weeks. Um, yeah, and I just put a lot of work into them, basically, and usually win plenty off them. So it's usually worth it. How
2: far ahead do you do you tend to look Anthony? I uh,
0: probably there. look as soon as, as soon as the first round draws made, which is usually on the Monday, I don't even look at it. I have to I have to I have to watch the favourite of the hundred and eighty dogs in it because I don't even know who it is on the Monday morning. Actually, I actually have to watch everything. Um I go in there with an absolute all these people that follow Graham Racing twenty four seven. I couldn't even tell you what the favourite is on the Monday of the Graham Derby week and I just start from there basically with a blank slayer, don't follow it. Um yeah do all my work on it and I like intensively do a lot of work on it after every round as well and it's just very profitable and it's quite easy to get on as well
1: nice um for me i mean i'd probably say like overall my most profitable betting mark has just been like asian handicaps on the soccer using trade mate but i'm not just trying to plug trade mate. it's probably like literally the thing i've made most money on because I think Asian handicaps are just. Uh, I think that's like our most successful market. But, um, but in terms of my own betting, I'd probably say method of victory markets on the UFC. There's uh, there's some big <clears throat> there's some big holes there uh, throughout the week and and even um, even on the day of the fight. So, yeah, that's me. Uh, Jacob says. I wish I didn't watch the matches. I bet it's just a waste of time. It's frustrating when it doesn't go the right way, and you still can't affect it anyhow. Unfortunately, I watch it in TV most of my match. Watch on TV most of my matches. So yeah, couldn't agree more, mate. Uh, Ron says, "Hi guys, I played on Betfair before." I played at Orbit Exchange. Now I am just wondering at Orbit Exchange, there is much more liquidity in the market than at Betfair. Um, I feel like you're a exchange man, Tony. Any thoughts on this, mate?
3: Uh, I, I thought Orbit was just what foreign people that couldn't get on Betfair used um, with a slightly higher commission. Um, but I, I don't know enough to be honest because i don't think they even operate here or if they do as i said they're betfair model with more commission so i don't know why you would use them if you can use betfair but i might be wrong on that i'm pretty sure they either don't operate or they're just worse than betfair so i've never never been (laughs)
0: charged premium charge that's why a lot of people use them over here uh but yeah Hmm. all
1: right uh Daniel Chill Gaming says, can share my story. I followed a tipster for five months in baseball, placed every bet just when I got mail that uh, I assume he's closed down or something like that, Um, and he was down 40% of his bankroll. So, yeah, I guess I think that's like quite a a common thing that tipsters Mm -hmm. do. Uh, I don't think I've really talked about it much on the the podcast or when I'm just talking about tipsters in general that – yeah, a lot of tipsters will start up like, you know, maybe 100 so different pages and just put a load of different bets into into each different one and then whatever one's like winning at the end of it, they'll continue with that one and then, uh, yeah, just keep that one going because obviously, you know, if you start up 100 different accounts uh, or, you know, whatever, 10 different accounts or whatever, one of them is probably going to be profitable over like, you know, 50, 100 bets or something. And uh, yeah, they just run with that one until uh, it starts to lose lots of money and then they close down. So um, yeah.
0: Go to Smart Betting Club. <laughs> you want some, yeah. you want you want somebody who's gonna you want someone who's gonna track you t- if you're gonna if you all them always to follow tipsters, you want somebody who's tracking them properly for you and not the tipster themselves and Smart yeah. Betting Club PL website is probably a good place to start.
1: Hundred percent um bernardo says your thoughts on top european tipsters that also stake their own tips very hard uh, on bookies like bet365 and uh some other bookies there uh i don't i don't know does anyone have any thoughts on this i'm not heard of
2: you
1: guys I mean, it's common for, I assume you're talking, oh, sorry, is Nini bet like a tipster? I'm sure I thought it was a. Well, I one think a, so. Yeah. Sorry. I mean, I think most tipsters, or at least the legitimate ones, bet on their own stuff that they're putting out. <laughs> so I don't think there's a a problem with that. I assume that's probably a, a good thing if there are. Uh, if they're back in the own, their own selections, so. Yeah. Um, I think
2: something you said, Alex, maybe is worth bringing into discussion as well about um, CLV and how many tipsters don't seem to um, to do that, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've uh, I've followed. I mean, I haven't followed that many tipsters, but you know, just from the tipsters that I'm aware of and know pretty well on Twitter and stuff like that, like. I, I've only ever seen one tipster in my life like consistently put out like here was my results for the month or the week or whatever and then also quote their percentage that they beat the closing line by. And I understand that it's hard for a lot of tipsters that are, you know, betting into markets where there is no closing line. But I think if you've got a tipster that's betting into 1x2s, over-unders, Asian handicaps on big markets like football, uh you know baseball ice hockey whatever where these markets are bloody efficient at you know at places like Pinnacle and and uh, and Betcris I I think um if it was me if I was going to become a, a tipster I would um that's that's just what I would be doing I, I would be when I release my monthly results or whatever time you want to brag or not brag about your results, I would be uh, putting up a percentage that you're beating the closing line by or not beating the closing line by because um, I think, I think because all these guys that are good at being tipsters, they, they understand that that's how you beat sports betting is by beating the closing line. So I think by not putting that in there, um, I don't know, I always kind of just think, like, is the reason they don't publish it because they're not beating the closing line and they've just been lucky over a certain sample size of bets? I mean, I'm probably completely wrong. I mean, there's people out there that don't beat the closing line who are winning from from sports betting. But then, I don't know, I'm probably just, I'm like literally probably 1% of their client base or, you know, their audience that. That gives a shit about this, but you know, if I was ever to become one, then that would be like the first thing I would do because I think it further educates people. If you're getting a a tipster or uh, on Twitter or whatever that's like saying their results and then also embedding the closing line, just putting that number out there, I think people, most people, be like, "Well, what the fuck is is CLV?" Or you know, they might just start asking themselves that question, and then you know, they might go learn themselves or. um yeah no, i just i just think it gives you more context like you're just you're open to criticism i think on twitter too if you do or wherever you post your tips if you just post your r o i like you know r o i to me is absolutely nothing like um I find it very hard to follow uh to follow tipsters off the bat just uh just going off the ROI like I seriously don't care about ROI if you're betting into an Asian handicap market on the Premier League I could not give two shits I just want to know if you beat the market or not so yeah there's my little rant if anyone's got any thoughts
0: (laughs) I think that's fine for the Premier League it doesn't apply as much to some smaller markets Uh, where your bet can just move the price anyway so it's how much of it, how much are you beating CLV and how much of it is just because you've had to bet yourself. So I think on Premier League, I think that's fine. But I think on smaller markets, uh, it's not as relevant. It doesn't but have what, to be as relevant.
1: What do you define as a smaller market?
0: Well, just where there's less volume. For for example, the grain Derby, the grain Derby line, some of the dogs that I bet wouldn't move if I didn't bet them. So, I'm creating my own CLV, basically. So how relevant is it? It's probably not that relevant. Um,
1: yeah, I mean, I only mean for like, yeah, Premier League. Yeah. I mean, it's just some of the like the big the big leagues like, you know, Serie A, Bundesliga. Uh, La yeah, Liga, all if, these if it's league. a
0: market where there's proper volume in it, if, you, if you're if you beating the closing line on Premier League, you're probably okay. It's definitely yeah. relevant for that because there's volume. But yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, anyone else got any thoughts? No? no 100%.
2: Yeah, I agree with
1: Anthony. <clears throat> uh, Jacob says, do you think it is easier to be profitable in team or individual sports? I think that individual sports are much easier to make a model and profit uh, to watch only one athlete, dog, horse, than the whole. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely heard of people that are uh, when they start modelling for the first time, they do something like tennis because uh, it's yeah one person and not having to account for however many people are on the team, which is a lot of different different variables. Um, yeah,
3: do you, uh, do you have any thoughts on that, Tony? Well, my my only concern, especially if you're betting at lower level things and thinking mainly tennis, but other individual sports, is an individual sports a lot easier to fix, and people can pretend it doesn't happen, but we're all nodding, so we all know it does. And, and that's especially where the prize money is not that much, uh, early rounds of like challenger tournaments and stuff. The, you, you, it's, you've got to get, manage the incentive of the player. And we say that with football sort of towards the end of the season, but it has to be a vast majority of the players not up for a game or they're already on the beach, as, as the saying goes. Whereas tennis, it can just be that one player. If they win that round, they might only make 2,000 euros and they could easily... Lay themselves, and or their friend lays them, and, and it can go unnoticed if they spread it about to to make more. That they don't have to make fortunes. The ones that get caught are the ones that are trying to make fortunes. The ones that get away with it are the ones that are making just more than they would have, or they're making more than what they would have done for losing, but not enough for it to be suspicious. So that, that's the worry. But if I mean, if it's high-profile individual sports, if you're betting on a, a grand slam you're probably going to be all right and, and then it's probably easier to go with individual's motivation and it's easier to track form and stuff um because it's just one person but i'm always wary of the lower end of them sports yeah it's a good point
1: anyone got experience uh with either of these and yeah whether like where you guys got started and stuff like that no. sorry what was the question no. I mean, the question's at the bottom of your screen. It says, do you think it is easier to be profitable in team or individual sports?
0: I think think in individual sports, one piece of information can affect a price quite heavily if you're privy to it, whereas in teams, like in team sports, you probably, like Tony gave the Ronaldo example, not playing and how that changed his price and probably changed a couple of match prices slightly as well. Like in basketball, it always used to be LeBron. Is LeBron playing or is he not? Um, like one piece of information. One piece of information basically can change prices, even in team sports like, like basketball and stuff. But like it's more in the individual stuff. There was one about 18 months ago, there was like a minor darts match in Eastern Europe. It doesn't sound as dodgy as it, as, as it is when I'm explaining it like that. It was actually a, It was actually a proper tournament. It was a BDO tournament. And one of the guys had I basically found out that one of the guys had dartitis, which you can't release the dart properly at the end of your throw. Um, so and it was a genuine it was a genuine nothing 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 hooky about it. Um, but he was struggling with dartitis, he ended up having to take a lot of time off with it, but he still played in this match. And we were privy to that that he was struggling basically with Dartitis prior to that match. So that one piece of information is just absolutely gold, basically. Uh, I actually didn't even beat the closing line, Alex, so there's another one for you. <laughs> but, it was a, but it was a great bet. <laughs> and I think you man got beat 5-1, so it was uh, it was fun.
1: I've been struggling with dartitis for, for the last 20 years, personally. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bernardo says, have you guys been humiliated by a bookie, money stolen or ridiculous KYC procedures, like asking you to send a letter with your documents to Russia, uh, one <laughs> expat style. Anyone Anyone been humiliated? I mean, probably for me the most humiliating thing was the last week. I mean, not humiliating, but like being locked out of your accounts is like the ultimate way of telling you that you're a criminal basically, which I'm not. Anyway, uh, anyone being humiliated?
2: Uh, I, got off. Yeah. <laughs> I had a surreal conversation with Bet365 I probably mentioned it in a pod a while back um, but yeah so basically so, so I, it was my account it was already restricted and I was just kind of just pinging loads of bets on a pot um, and then they called me up to basically because they were concerned about my welfare and worried about you know like was I actually sleeping? Because I was <laughs> betting like 23 hours a day, um, and I'm just like, yeah, you know, I've like really bad insomnia, um, and then uh, yeah, and 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 so so I just had to go through this whole process that you know they asked all these questions about you know are you spending more than you you know you can afford and blah blah blah. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, you've restricted me for a reason, um, and then I had this really surreal conversation with someone. Uh, and they said, right, okay, you're going to have to self-exclude for six months. And I said, but I don't want to. Like, it's a choice to self-exclude, but you're you're forcing me to exclude. And he's like, well, you know, no, you can't. Um, and I'm like, why are you doing this? And he said, well, you know, you can't. You can't be winning on your account. It's not allowed. Literally, those are the words he used. I think English wasn't his first language. But, but that was the phrase used, you, know, you can't be sort of winning on this account. And I was like, yeah, fair enough. But, um, yeah, I was given a sort of basically threatened, either self-exclude for six months or we shut the account down and then they, they shut the account down. Um, but that, that was a, a weird one. But, yeah, all the document stuff is just nonsense. Like, um, you know, they're, 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 they'll ask for so many things, some of them. Um, and until you threaten them with, Court action, taking them to resolve or gambling. I mean, this is UK specific. I don't know about other countries, but you know, there's uh, regulatory bodies that you threaten them with. Um, You know, and there's loopholes around it. So, you know, if if they've taken, if you've been able to withdraw, uh, you know, at the beginning, uh, they can't really ask for for all this stuff. I mean, like recently, one of my mates was asked for um, copies of his parents' IDs because they wanted they looked at all the bank statements and they were basically looking into, um, not money laundry, but basically how, how it was funded by a third party. Um, and so they wanted IDs of all the parents. They wanted unredacted statements for the last six months, um, proof of earnings. They wanted, um, you know, like, you know, proof of the, you know, their occupation, all, all this kind of stuff. Um, a lot of it is kind of bluster, though. You know, they're not actually technically allowed to ask for some of it, and if you kick up enough of a fuss, generally you can, um, you know, get away. But it is a pain.
1: Mm. Yes, certainly is. Uh, John Smith, this is a good topic, actually. Me and Neil talked about this a lot last week. Uh, he says, "How do you mentally deal with downswings, <clears throat> lost bets, etc.? How do you dissociate from monetary value of money? Any tips?" Or thoughts. I, it's good that we got you on Anthony, actually, because I mentioned you quite a lot last week, and on on the at the same time last week. And uh, yeah, I said that you helped me get through quite a lot of stuff. And there was uh, I was sending you messages, and you were saying just chill out, like just ride it. You'll be right, et cetera. Et cetera. And I was like, well, this prick doesn't know what I'm going through right now,
3: <laughs> but
1: and he's staying so calm about it, et cetera. Et cetera. But no, you're completely right about. About what you said, and uh, yeah, you can have some pretty vicious swings, and you've just got to—I don't know. I, my only—I don't think I have any have any tips uh, for it, like in, in terms of like dissociating from money, ter- monetary, uh, yeah, just dissociating you you know with money. But I think I think it's just time. I don't know. It just I, I don't know what you think, Anthony. But for me, I think it's just like it's just uh, it's just you know getting runs on the board and uh, and getting used to it. I guess.
0: Yeah, I I find that results don't affect me that much. To be honest with you, even the round one was just like I was just like more in shock. I was just like I can't believe that, and then went to bed and it was fine. I wasn't even that bothered about it the next day. To be honest with you, genuinely, um, I think it depends. It would probably would have affected me at the start of my betting journey or career or whatever, um, and you just grow out of it because you've seen you've seen the thing that can't happen happen a few times over a number of years. Uh, and it's just the more bets you have, the more things like that will happen to you. Um like the the how do you disassociate yourself with monetary like I'm a yeah, I'm a stickler for not getting robbed on anything, but like not to the point of like I'll give you an example, like I probably drink at least a can of Red Bull every day. It's my one vice that I can't kick. Like uh, Max Verstappen could win the Formula One championship because of me, basically. I've like literally fund Red Bull and the garage i have a garage that is it's probably 100 meters from my house and i will not buy red bull there because it's like 280 a can and it's like 160 in tesco which is about a mile down the road and i just like refuse to go to that fucking garage because i'm just getting robbed and i can't, I can't be doing with it i'm not usually i'm not like that tight with money or anything like that but there's certain things where i'm just like oh, that's just taking the piss i can't do that and um, so like it's weird that I can disassociate myself with like the wrong money but then I'll be like nah I'm not giving you one (laughs) extra for that kind of red ball you're just taking the piss Um, but yeah like mentally I don't know it's tough like you've you've, no longer you're in the game You've, you've actually just seen it and you've seen it and done it before basically like you will you have to think as well like you'd be you'd be positively affected by, I remember Peter Ling, when I told him the Ram story, he was on Cantley, I think he ended up winning. He was like, oh, I bet Cantley in that, I couldn't believe he ended up winning. I think it was Cantley. And so like, there's instances like that where you probably shouldn't win and you do win, but you just actually, your mind forgets about those things a lot easier than the the bad beats basically. And Mm -hmm. I think it's just, you just need to be more, get a bit more perspective I get I get more annoyed by missing something in my process to find a bet and then something going against me and um, to affect a result like mm. the the one I remember from very recently I can't remember what year it was with covid it might have been just before covid there was a horse racing trainers championship in England the flat flat trainers championship and it was between John Gosden I think and Aidan O'Brien um and i basically and there was about 10 days left of the season there was like a load of big races coming up just to finish the season and i was going through like entries i was trying to work out which horses were going to which races and things like that and i was basically concluding i was like the betting was like four to six gosden six to four o'brien and i was like i can't see how o'brien's not a four to six shot here i had it, i had it the other way around and i was like fucking no, i need to bet o'brien and have a load of money on and i ended up at. I ended up being able to get about six grand on before like the price had collapsed all around me and I was just like oh, I'll leave it now, that's enough. Um and the one thing that I hadn't factored in was that weekend, this was like this was like on a Monday or a Tuesday, and there was a lot of big races at Doncaster on the Saturday. And I hadn't factored in that it was absolutely pissing it down for about four days before Doncaster. I, I knew it was raining, but I didn't realise how bad. So I was factoring in the rain with my ground predictions for which horses were gonna run. Um, but I didn't factor in that the meeting would be abandoned and the races wouldn't be rescheduled in time to count as part of the championship. So I was like, I'd, I'd, I'd basically miscalculated that if the meeting were abandoned, Aidan O'Brien had basically no chance. Um, now I'm pretty sure the bookies weren't properly factoring that in as well. But I just ended up being on the wrong side of it and I was just basically fucked. The meeting got abandoned and I, I'd had six grand and a six to four shot that was probably a 20 to one shot. Um, and that, that really pissed me off because I hadn't I'd basically made a big mistake um, and it wasn't for like I know it's six grand and everything but it wasn't for like massive amounts of money for, for, for my overall bankroll and I was just annoyed at myself for for missing that basically and I wouldn't have been annoyed if or O'Brien would have got stuffed and things would have materialised and the races would have run as I predicted um, so yeah, I think that 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 frustrates me, and it basically makes me want to work on my process even better. I won't make that mistake again. Um, but that was a big mistake that I made, and that didn't didn't make me down or anything like that. But I was just like, "Fucking hell, missed that! What what an idiot!" Like, um, so that, that they're the things that get to me, but in a way that I want to improve them rather than mentally affect me. Yeah. No,
1: it's it's a great point, mate. Uh, and and you, Tony, you, you've got a kind of a different approach to to everyone here because you you basically trade out of most of your bets nowadays. So, like, maybe talk about your process of like when you first got started with gambling and how you've adjusted to to get where you are today, where you're
3: taking a, a lot less risk. Yeah, I mean, just more in answer to the question. I just. I kind of just disassociated from money. Like I think when, so when I first obviously changed from match betting because there wasn't much risk there and I was all being again, not much risk. I've always been pretty risk averse. Um, The trading is probably the most risk I've taken. Um, But I just, I I set out a bank when I was starting I was like, I I don't care if I lose it. This is my find out if I can do it bank. And it's going to cost me X amount to find out if I can do it. And if I blow it, then, it's not for me or my my edge isn't good or I, I'm just mentally not in the right place for it and, and thankfully I never have I have never really made a dent in that bank and multiplied it multiple times over but if I it's weird because I'm not really like that but if I lost I didn't care because in my head that money the moment I pull it into the exchange was gone away as I, I used to say to people it's not money it's fun coupons. coupons um, and has kind of kept it up like that. I, I, and I kind of mentioned it earlier, I get more uh, bothered by disappointing people. As I said, now I've got like a service where um, I'm obviously given the team news, if that's ever wrong, which doesn't does happen, not often, but it does happen. And I feel devastated about that. Even if I've told people, well, it's, this is the lineup, but there's not enough in it to bet either way. If it's wrong, even if it's slightly wrong or something minor is wrong, I still feel like, for oh, fuck's sake, I've let people down. And then... I feel doubly worse. Uh, even if the team is right, but I've had an opinion on something, and no Neil knows this as someone that's in my chat group, that I don't really like saying what I'm doing just because I don't care if I lose myself. That's my choice. I've made that decision, and the market's going against me. Oh, well, you live and die by your decisions. But when other people are losing money, basically on my say-so, it, it makes me really uncomfortable. So it's not actually the money that bothers me. I couldn't care less. But thinking other people have lost their hard-earned money uh, it always affects me more. Um, but yeah, the way I disassociated the money from being money was just, this. as I said, this is my fund to, to learn or try or whatever term you want to use to educate myself. And and that's the fee that it costs you. Like going to uni, it costs you however much a year, whether you pass, fail, whether you get a first or a third, that's the fee. And, and that's kind of how I saw my betting bank. That that was the fee to learn whether I had the nuts to do it, whether I had the ability to do it. And mm-hmm. I paid that fee. So for me, it was gone. Yeah, no, well
1: said, mate. Um, all right, well, we, uh, we can move on a little here. We've been going quite a while now, so we can we can start to wrap things up. Um, got a question here from Luke Martin. So get in your last questions, guys. He says, do you guys mostly bet on the sharps, exchanges? I'm starting out with 20K roll on the softs, but don't see myself getting action there much longer. Is there much value on the exchanges? Maybe you want to start this one, Neil.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, like Tony's perfect example, you know, of uh, you know finding that value on the exchange, you know, kind of exploiting opportunities with team news. Um, you know, there there are plenty of markets. Uh, you know, some of them are harder than others. Uh, personally, I, I do much more on the soft books, but I do use the exchanges um uh, i'm starting to use uh s markets more as well um yeah and i agree with you luke you know it, you know you're going to get accounts shut down um in time so I, I can see your follow-up question as well um you know that's a choice you're got to make if you have sort of friends and family you want to sort of access you know, their accounts with their permission um or go down that avenue you can carry on you know in
1: theory, for a long time, but um, but yeah, it can be
0: tedious as well. Yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, the soft books, man. If you've got a bank of twenty grand, just fucking came the soft books, and when they all go, get some more soft books. You're the quickest get- <laughs> way to get to hundred grand. Fuck the exchanges.
1: <laughs> I mean, they say it's <laughs> tedious, but it's like I don't know. I, if you get a mate, like I mean, I I literally, you know, I, it only takes like maybe what half an hour like you just message them they say yes yeah or no. and if they say yes then they've just got to send in their account so it takes them half an hour and then you just send them money they put the money in I mean maybe the tedious part is like getting getting a new phone or something like that that you want to bet from because you can't bet from the same device um, I mean it's it is obviously tedious and it takes away from the joy of sports betting but at the end of the day like the edges there of fucking a lot bigger than they are at, you know, Pinnacle or Betcris or Bet Betfair or whatever. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, I think uh, it's better. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bernardo, he also likes to drink a can of White Monster now and then, so you've got a friend White there, Monster. Anthony. Uh, there you go. The uh, The energy drinking community. <laughs> yes, I mean, that'll be that'll be your next sponsor, mate. Um, but yeah, I, I, we should uh, we can probably just wrap it up, fellas. Is there anything? Um, I, actually, I was going to ask you, Anthony. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about your bookmaker that you're getting going, AK Bets, uh, an industry revolution revolutionizer, revolutionary, Anthony,
0: something like that. I'm not sure about that, to be honest with you. It's pretty simple. It's just fucking lib Lay bets, the prices, you've got confidence in and don't lay any other shite, basically. It's pretty simple. Um, not sure how revolutionary it is, to be honest with you. But yeah, just got um a few pitches on course in Ireland. Trying to buy a few more premium pitches. Same in the UK. Going to have a presence in the UK, hopefully up north and then south. And just trying to get licensed in the UK for, yeah, not for, for, for off course, basically, as well. Um, in the UK and Ireland. um be not many markets if you're uh yeah if you're um if you're into your arbitrage and all that stuff i'm probably not going to be the place for you to go but um if you like to get down decent amounts at fair prices i think it, it might be something long term that um that will appeal to certain certain people basically without having to Hit a button and spinning wheel for twenty minutes and then sorry, you can only have it at this price and I have to ring the trader and stand in a shop for ten minutes. I think it's gonna be prices where if you want a bet to win ten grand, you can have a bet to win ten grand in in one quick phone call, hopefully.
1: Yeah. What's the what's the process been like? Like how long has it taken you to get all these licenses? And is it like can you give us a ballpark of like the 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 financial costs of all of that?
0: Uh in Ireland a lot easier than in England. Um in England like I haven't even submitted the final application yet to be honest with you. And I've been doing it for about three months. So it's uh three or four months maybe. So it's uh it's a long thing. And I think with COVID, I think the UK Gambling Commission have said that it's gonna take they say it can take up to six months to process. I'm pretty sure it won't be that long, hopefully. Um so I'm I'm looking at middle of next year basically. Um Maybe maybe Easter time in the UK, Ireland. Hopefully before then. Um, regarding the on course stuff, my my gear is probably I've got good good equipment basically. All in has probably cost me about twenty grand. Um, for for everything that I've bought, um, and then pitches wise, I've sp- I'm going to be spending six figures on pitches in Ireland. Uh, so yeah, it's it's, it's not going to be cheap just for the for the race course side of things. That's even before I even think about England. Um, and then the online stuff, uh, there's like a license fee. I think it's about 10 grand in Ireland. Uh, in the UK, <laughs> I don't think it's that much, but the process is a lot longer and r- more rigorous, basically. So that's, uh, I have a lawyer doing that for me, basically a licensing lawyer. And uh, she's, not, she's not cheap, but she's not ridiculously expensive as well. So... Um, yeah, it's good, man. It's a, there's a cost of setting up, and uh, so I'm just using the bookies' money anyway, so it's not it's not the end of the world. Yeah.
1: Well, what about like operating, mate? Like in terms, of, like if you, I assume you're doing lots of different horse races, so like, are you going to be are you pricing up all of these markets by yourself, or are you using I don't know other bookmakers, or are you getting people to help you out? Like, how do you go about pricing up? Like, because you know you're only one man by yourself.
0: Yeah, so in in so at the moment I've only got pitches in Ireland at certain tracks, so I just tend to do the race card for that day. I think with on-course bookmakers, it's a little bit different. You've got like you've got 24 hours of traded prices for small liquidity before that to give you a little bit of a guide. But um, I'd be sticking my prices on the board about half an hour, <coughs> half an hour before a race, and like you are going to get movement in those prices because they can be manipulated around a little bit, and I'm well aware of how that works. Um, but, like, yeah, it's just there'll be, there'll be meetings where you've got more confidence in your prices and less confidence in horses, more and less confident as well, just just the standard stuff, really. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of the, a lot of the race course business is mass market business, and anyone even having a three-figure bet kind of stands out a little bit on Irish race courses, so it's kind of more of a mass market thing for the race courses and then to pick up a few customers that we can hopefully trade in, in an office as well. I've just recently bought an office, um, which I probably won't be in a position to move into with the business for a couple of years. I wouldn't have thought. Like I'm in no rush as well, to be honest with you. Like this is not this is not me trying to create buzz and funding and people to come in with me and stuff like that. I'm using all my own money and I'm I'm in no rush as well. It's kinda yeah it's kind of i'm I'm, I'm not i'm not i'm my own boss i'm not generating i'm not trying to please anybody else so i can just work in my own time as well and i'm probably going to do it quite slow and uh and try and do it right as well and just build something not to build something not to sell for 50 million but build something just to sustain my family basically comfortably for hopefully that's the plan
1: nice mate well uh yeah, let's hope it all goes well for you. And yeah. can uh, a few people can rob you of a few grand, mate? It'd be uh, be interesting.
0: Send me your passport, please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Um, all right. We might as well just uh, wrap it up there. Thanks, everyone, for all your all your questions. And thanks to all three of you for for coming along. The channel's going to be pretty. I mean, uh, pretty vacant. I would say for the next however long. Until someone replaces me, so uh yeah, I hope you've uh enjoyed the the content the last couple of months or whatever and um
0: is this it? is this the yeah. last stream yeah, I was gonna say, man, uh, you need to tell us you need to tell us more about yourself what's going on, what's happening
1: <laughs> uh well i i'm yeah, I'm basically just gonna go full time with betting, so uh yeah, it's not, not it? too not too exciting gonna I mean, I'll probably still be back on Trademate every now and then and maybe do a podcast or or something here and there with um with one of you guys or, you know, someone like Jonas or, or Ryan or something like that here and there. But I just, um yeah, I can't really. The, the worst thing about the podcast is getting guests on all the time and getting new people on and them saying no and then sending them questions and I just, I'm bored of all that. So If I am going to come back on and keep doing podcasts, it'll be with someone that I already know pretty well and can just have a cruisy chat like this. So I think, um, yeah, I'll probably, I don't know, there's no like cement plan at the moment, but as long as no one replaces me, I'll come and do a few podcasts here and there if I've got time. Um, But yeah, other than that, half, half thinking about doing a sports betting course. Like a video course. I know there's lots of. I don't know. You guys probably know more about this than me, but there's lots of like trading courses out there, eh? But I've never actually seen a like a sports betting course. Have you guys ever seen anything like
0: that? What's your M for doing the course? Oh, just taking
1: like like essentially mugs to like a decent level, like an intermediate kind of level.
0: Okay. Just you seen anything like that? I've never.
1: I've only ever seen like trading and stuff like that. Oh, it's just it's, I think it's more just about like educating people about how how you win from sports betting, not like
2: giving. You fucking
0: them... know how to do that already. Sorry, you know how to do that already.
1: Yeah. Oh no, I yeah. mean like do a do a course. So he's setting the course, set, set yeah, up the
2: course. course, yeah. To to up up
0: course. Yeah. Oh, you want to set one up to teach other people? Yeah. All oh, right. Okay, I get you. I get you. I Thought
3: you were <laughs> just saying I need to do a course.
1: <laughs> Anthony will be the Anthony will be the first member. He seems very excited by that course. <laughs> uh, and then also, I can't really talk. I can't really uh, reveal too much. But there's a good chance I'll be setting up my own channel for my for for my UFC bets. So but that's
0: okay. Uh, okay, about AK, sponsored channel, yeah.
1: Yeah, mate. You can be my be my first. Sponsor. How much am I getting out of you?
0: You can take that Aubameyang picture down first. It's
1: <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful, man. It's beautiful, man. That's, the, that's the last trophy we'll be holding up for a while. So, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll be keeping that up for a long, long time. Um, but, yeah, that's all uh, That's all my – that's my, uh, I guess, my like half mapped out future at the moment. But, I mean, the main thing is I'll just be betting full time. So, yeah. Um,
0: okay
1: send me some more bets anthony
0: yeah keep getting them on and i will
1: (laughs) uh all right well yeah that's it thanks everyone for watching like subscribe do all the good stuff and um i will see you guys sometime soon